We are not alone. You are watching Contact TV with your hosts, Leslie Mitchell-Clark and Wes Roberts. Exploring ufology, metaphysics, and beyond with the world's foremost experts. Are not alone. And welcome everybody out there in uh, Sequesterland. Whatever you are doing, wherever you are, uh, there is light at the end of the tunnel and we're here to bring a little luminosity to your day as always. And uh, on Contact TV, we're back for another season. We have a whole wonderful lineup of fascinating individuals who I know you're going to want to hear from. And I'm joined as always by my partner in crime, uh, Wes Roberts. Wes, how are you doing? Leslie, I'm doing real well, and uh, our guest tonight, whoa, this cannot just be one episode. No, I'm thinking we have to have like a three-part at least, you know, mm -hmm. it'll be mm -hmm. like Roots or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it'll be like Roots, just keep me going. <laughs> just a, a mini-series. <laughs> a mini-series of, uh, of Richard, perfect. That's Very right. Well, play. I do want to just say a few words about this wonderful guest, uh, writer, director, author, and actor and casting director, uh, Richard Martini is an award-winning filmmaker and also a best-selling author of books about the afterlife. And uh, he has been a frequent guest on Coast to Coast with George Norrie, of course, on Beyond Belief, on Gaia, also with George Norrie. And his first book, Flipside, A Tourist Guide on How to Navigate the Afterlife, went to number one twice at Amazon in all of its genres. And uh, It's a Wonderful Afterlife, Volumes 1 and 2, expand the research uh, with interviews with a number of scientists and consciousness studies. And in Hacking the Afterlife, he interviews mediums and explores interviewing people no longer on the planet. Does that include Gary Busey? Okay. And uh, <laughs> as, as Gary Schwartz, PhD, put it after reading Flipside, uh, he said that particular book was inspiring, well-written, and entertaining. And there are two more books we're going to talk about I have in my hand. This is such a favorite of mine. And it's the Backstage Pass to the flip side. And I recommend that you all get that. And uh, of course, Richard is working with the wonderful uh, medium, Jennifer Schaefer, who you may know from her uh, extensive work with Dr. Eliza Methaus in channeling her, her, her son, Eric. So anyway, without further ado, it is my great pleasure to announce the beginning of Martini time with the arrival of Richard Martini. Welcome, Rich. Thank you, Leslie. That's very sweet and great to, for to be here with you. And I hope everybody's doing well. Just one correction. Jennifer is a medium who works with law enforcement. Oh. On missing person cases. I don't think she's ever worked with Dr. Med, who's, who's a friend of mine. And really? I've worked with a number of the mediums that Eric has worked with, because Dr. Meadows has called me up and said, you know, I met this medium. Would you do me a favor and have a chit chat and, mm. and just see where you go? And that, so... In the course of our exploration of talking to Bill Paxton, my mm -hmm. old friend, the actor, yes, who was um, I've known I'd known him since we met in London years ago. I had three different mediums access him, ask him questions that only I knew the answer to, and all three of them answered them exactly the same. And so the new book, uh, Backstage Pass to the Flip Side, which is book three, okay, so there's three of them. 
And this book, which we'll talk about, uh, Architecture of the Afterlife, opens with Bill Paxton because I use it as a proof of concept. Yes, is, yes. If we're going to talk about the afterlife, here's an example of somebody you all know that I knew that is no longer on the planet, but he can answer questions if we put them to him directly. And so Jennifer was one, Jennifer Babcock, who works with uh, Dr. Oh, Medicine. Kim Babcock, is that who I'm thinking? Yeah, Kimberly Kim Babcock. Oh, that's who I'm thinking of. Apologies, you're, you're right. Yeah, it's Kim Babcock. And I think we've frozen up for just a moment, so I'm just going to pause for a moment while we get back. Kind of a protocol that Gary Schwartz had talked about. I wasn't even in the room, so mm -hmm. it's not like somehow my consciousness, my memory of where Bill and I met in a pub in London was accessible to them, you see, yeah. at any level. They only got it from him. So it's a proof of concept, and then ultimately this new book, it's really kind of a, I would say, flip side is sort of the, my journey the mm -hmm. beginning of my journey. Um, and at the end of that, I presented some of those cases of people under hypnosis to scientists. And they were saying, well, you know, we don't consider hypnosis a valid tool of science. Mm -hmm. So I can understand why, because in the Freudian sense of hypnosis, you know, you go to see a doctor, you want to be cured. And in this case, as you know, Leslie, a lot of these sessions take place over four to six hours. Mm -hmm. And so the, the idea that they were getting the same answers, the same results is what piqued my curiosity. But ultimately, I then started studying near-death experiences just because it, logic will tell us if they're having an experience off-planet, they should match up. So that's what It's a Wonderful Afterlife was. And then Hacking the Afterlife is really an in-depth journey into talking to people on the flip side, giving us new information, which can't mm -hmm. be cryptomnesia, as they call it, something that you could imagine. Mm -hmm. And then the architecture of the afterlife is kind of a continuation of that because it's me interviewing people not under hypnosis. Right, right. And they're saying the same things. And that makes it a very unusual because there are people who've never met me, don't mm -hmm. know my books, and they're saying the exact same thing. And one other thing I just wanted to note that somewhere along the line, a couple of years ago, I stumbled onto Dr. Helen Wamba's research mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and a clinical psychologist working in the 1970s. She's got a couple of books, Reliving Past Lives and I think Life, Between, Life Before Lives. Mm -hmm. And her methodology, so someone saw me writing on Quora. Sometimes I answer questions on Quora a lot about the flip side. Mm -hmm. And somebody sent me her original tapes of the sessions that she used to do. So it's like eight hours of Dr. Wamba doing a session. So you can really hear the technique, the methodology. Yeah. You know, as a compared to what the Newton method is, let's say. Right, right, right. And, and where she approached it from a scientific point of view, which was instead of the, the normal hypnotherapy session, somebody comes in and they go, I want to remember a past life, let's mm -hmm. say. Mm -hmm. And then you help them. And they go, I was Cleopatra. <laughs> <laughs> Which they never say, of course, as you know, but whatever. That's, That's right. <laughs> but in this case, she was working with Vietnam veterans with PTSD. And they were under hypnosis recalling previous lifetimes. So and she designed this experiment where she would take a group of people, like 10 to 12 people, volunteers, and then she would offer them different time periods. So the bias, you take bias out. She's mm -hmm. not saying, what was your time period? Mm -hmm. It's like, well, pick one. 
And then these people would recall events. And she focused on clothing, kind of material worn, construction materials, utensils, mm -hmm. something that we don't think about. But historically, you can verify when a fork went from two prongs to three. Yes, you can. To four. Yes, you can. And there were so many accounts that people would say, the most important thing I own in this particular lifetime is my spoon. Yeah. You know, it took me years to craft it. And it's what I live. I, I wouldn't have a life without my, you know. So that's, a, that's not something that's in the zeitgeist or part of, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. what people write about in movies. And so she was able to accurately identify. And out of her 2,000 cases, she said, uh, I mean, she ended up with 2,000 after eliminating 1% for bias because it seemed like they were conflating eras and times and, you know, they wanted to find something. But she eliminated those and she came up with these 2,000 cases. And all I can say is if you really want a scientific data, and I like to talk about data mm -hmm. in terms of this research, mm -hmm. which is, look, data has to be reproducible and consistent. You can argue about how it's gotten. Is it in a university setting? Is it in online and a Zoom mm -hmm. session? Like, where'd you get this information? <laughs> it doesn't matter because ultimately, it does matter, but ultimately, if you can focus on the content of what people are saying, as opposed to why they might say it, and then you compare it to what they should have said, because look, they grew up in this religious background, mm -hmm. they grew up with this environment, the sociological, even the genetic things. But under hypnosis, they're all saying the same things, which are contrary mm -hmm. to all religions, that's my experience, mm -hmm. and all science, basically contrary. So, which leads us into our world that we're gonna explore here, which was about two years ago, maybe three years ago, something like that, a close friend of mine and I were having coffee and I said something along the lines of, and he was like, what are you doing? Like, what, what is this weird thing? You, you know, you were like a filmmaker, <laughs> like a movie director. Like, what happened to you? And I said, well, you know, I just, I discovered that you could ask people questions and get these answers. And he was like, I'm not really sure I know what you mean. So I said, well, let's just, have you ever been under hypnosis? And he went, yeah, in college. And then he remembered a visual from that one session in college. And what I found is time, like a, like a floppy disk, you can, if you can access that disk, pull it out of the, and open it up and go through the data, you'll find not only all the information from that event, but you can go from past tense into present tense. Mm -hmm. So I, just that visual that he had of a face, I walked him over coffee back into that memory. And within a few minutes, he was recalling that he tried to assassinate this guy who was a prince in Spain. No, I'm sorry, prince in Naples, but Spanish, because Naples was run by Spain for a couple hundred years. Mm -hmm. And that he had been caught, he had been tortured, and he had given up the names of all his friends. And so within a few minutes, my friend was like sobbing, yeah. remembering the guilt he felt over this memory. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm looking at him like, seriously? You're yeah. in the middle of this? We're having coffee in Beverly Glen. What's the matter with you? Yeah. Since then, I started to take the structure of a six-hour session, hypnotherapy session, and improvise. So I'm with somebody, some people I know, some people I don't. 
people I've never met. And I just start to ask some questions. So what do you remember about this event? And if they can get a visual, I saw my grandmother sitting on the end of my bed. That's the key for me. Because then I'll just say, well, freeze that, make a hologram of that, mm -hmm. freeze it. Let's go into that. Let's get close to your grandmother. And then I shift from past tense to present tense. Mm -hmm. Can you hold your grandmother's hands while you're accessing this memory? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if they can, now uh, Bob's your uncle. I'm off yep. and running. Yep. And so, like, I, like with the NDE ex uh, research, you know, you think if people really are having near-death experiences and going, you know, into some other realm, mm -hmm. what they say about those other realms should kind of line up or match yeah. up with what people say. Right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's what I've just, I found. And in Michael Newton's work, he would talk about everybody has a guide, at least one. Some have more than one. Everybody has a soul group or a classroom of people that they normally incarnate with. Mm -hmm. Some of them are not exactly who you would think would should be there, but they're there. Everybody has a council, for lack of a better term. Mm -hmm. So I just started experimenting with it. I was talking to Dr. Drew. I don't know if you know Dr. Yeah. Drew, but he's a friend of a friend, Jennifer's friend, actually. Mm -hmm. And he was saying to me, you know, Rich, I don't believe in the life. <laughs> if it's not science, it's just not something I want to focus oh, on. I was like, great, great. Dr. Drew. You know, whatever. No, he's a sweetheart. And yeah. so his wife invited me on a, her show. She has a blog radio show oh, where she yeah. invites mediums on. She does. Yeah. That's right. I forgot. Yeah, it's yeah. wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful. But during the course of this session, he happened to be there. And I said, well, do you want to come on? And maybe we'll explore this. And he was like, yeah, sure. Doubting that he was going to go anywhere. And I po I posted this on martinizone.com. Mm -hmm. But in 15 minutes, he was not only recalling a previous lifetime, but recalling going in to see his counsel, only because I said, can I talk to your guide? And he said, I don't know what you mean by that. And I said, it's okay. Your guide knows what I mean. Mm -hmm. um, is there somebody around that you can see? And he said, yeah, like I see this person. I asked the guide directly, can we, I say, can I ask your guy a direct question? Can we go visit his council? And Drew says, what's a council? And I said, I wasn't talking to you. Yeah. I'm talking to your guy. Yeah. <laughs> and within a few seconds, we were in this kind of dramatic room with 12 mm -hmm. people and he saw them and described them. And then I started asking them questions. Can I ask your guide a question? And then somewhere along the line of doing about, I think about 30 or 40 of these, sometimes we'd get to a council member and I know it's in architecture, architecture of the afterlife. This woman said, my council member is scary looking. And I said, well, you've known your council members for all your lifetimes, right? Every time you decide to incarnate, you run it by them and mm -hmm. they guide you and I said, well, can we speak to him directly? And she said, he's saying yes. And I said, okay, well, you know, take hold of his hands. It's, you know, get a connection with him. Mm -hmm. And she said, I don't really want to because they're green and mm -hmm. scaly. Mm -hmm. And I went, he's your guide. It's not going to hurt you. He's not going to Grab his hands. Yeah. I order you. Grab. So in her mind's eye, she's holding on to these claws, let's say, mitts. 
And I ask her to describe them. Look carefully. What are they? Oh, they're scaly. They're this, they're that. And then I ask him direct questions. So who, who are you? Are you, have you ever incarnated on earth? No, he said, I wouldn't lower myself to do that. Uh -huh. <laughs> I said, okay, where do you normally incarnate? And he said, well, you know, in my planet where I normally incarnate. So I was able to take a trip to his planet through this woman's point of view, mm -hmm. just that, that experience. And prob and I was looking at the book this morning and it, I think it's in the second chapter. And I realized this is why this is important for me to be on your show. Mm -hmm. And it was this concept that we consider aliens. Mm. I'm not sure you don't, but people in general consider mm -hmm. aliens, just the word itself. You know, we use it to apply to bugs, yeah. viruses, people, immigrants, people moving here, mm -hmm. or people from other planets. So. In Michael Newton's research, this is where I first came across this, when I was interviewing him for Flipside, I mm -hmm. said, so what's the percentage of people, because it had come up in the research, what's the percentage of people who have memories of off-world lifetimes? And he said, about 10%. I think, uh, it's respectfully, it's yeah, yeah. way but higher was, than that. This was no, a few years was, ago, I'm, right? I know. Yeah. yeah. Well, this was years ago, and this is based on his 94 book. Right. You see? So then I interviewed Pete Smith, the current president, and he said, Rich, that number's about 30% now. So all yeah, of the maybe. hypnotherapists, and I've heard from other hypnotherapists, I got much more in my clientele. So what does that mean? People either seek out a hypnotherapist to explore why they feel weird, mm -hmm. and while they're exploring why they feel weird, see themselves living on another planet or in mm -hmm. another existence somewhere mm -hmm. else, or more people are coming to the planet from other places incarnating and then at some point in the life tapping a person on the shoulder saying go see a hypnotherapist yeah we'll figure this out you'll That's wake familiar. up That's i familiar. i yeah. think it's really both i think it's really really both i would say in the case of wes he made a decision in his inter life mm -hmm. to be here now for this exciting time that we're that us and <laughs> that we're gonna see and god willing our children even more but i think it is a combination of both and i completely agree with you that it is not necessary to be in the del in the theta state to recall past life memories yeah. because yeah, yeah. it can happen spontaneously. Sure. Anywhere, and, you, know, of course, you know. Children up to the age of eight, yeah. there are quite a few who oh, yeah. are in another state. They see grandma, they see yep. grandma, or they, they say things like, I was your mom in a previous lifetime yeah. and now you're my mom. Yeah. I mean, I've had people ask questions to their toddlers because mm -hmm. you know, it's a non-denominational question. Did we choose you or did you choose us? Yeah. And the answers I've gotten are really unusual because yeah. up until about the age of eight, and now what happens at the age of eight? The skull hardens. Mm. So it may be a frequency issue, meaning yes, the partly. receiver mm -hmm. is it's too thick to get, partly. you know, like you hold the rabbit ears and mm -hmm. try to get that. Of course, then some kids grow up to be mediums and their filters are always off. Mm -hmm. And then in the research of Dr. Grayson, um, he's at University of Virginia. He, he did a 
he's in uh, It's a Wonderful Afterlife, and he does a wonderful YouTube talk called Is Consciousness Produced by the Brain? Where mm -hmm. he cites mm -hmm. the medical evidence that shows it's not. But mm -hmm. at the end of this talk, he talks about the 70% of hospice care workers in the UK who report that just prior to passing their dementia patients suddenly recall their memories, either minutes, hours, yep. sometimes days mm -hmm. prior to passing. Mm -hmm. his, what he points out is that's likely that the filters on the brain are dying with the brain. Yes. When they do the and the consciousness is, yes. Yeah, yeah. comes in. Yeah. Because the autopsy shows their brain should not have been able to access this information, yet they do. So right. it's like, and also Dr. Wamba, I was surprised and startled to find in 1978, she was saying the exact same thing. Her idea, and she classified this as an idea, was that the left brain and the right brain, which at this point in time, they were just sort of studying. Just that, understanding, yeah. Just understanding, corpus callosum connecting the mm -hmm. two. But as she said, it seems like the right brain, if you're, if you're right-handed, mm -hmm. the right brain is getting all the information and the left brain is this hyper-vigilant guardian that only allows in the information that's supposed to function for the human to survive. Yes. So everything else is kind of filtered out for a reason, except if you have a near-death experience, mm -hmm. if you're having LSD, if you have ayahuasca, mm -hmm. if you're under deep hypnosis, or uh, perhaps guided meditation. Mm -hmm. The filter is adjusted. And so we can access people, past lives, planetary existences, um, illnesses in some cases. So, in fact, in one case, I had a woman, she's in It's a Wonderful Afterlife. She came in, um, a friend of mine is a teacher, severe Parkinson's. Mm -hmm. So when she came in for the session, and I, I said to her, you know, I wonder if this might be of help to you. So when she came to the session, she was, you know, that. And she actually made a documentary called Bouncing Off Walls, because that was her experience. And I didn't notice it, but as Scott DeTamble, the hypnotherapist trained by Newton, lifebetweenlives.com is his website, as mm -hmm. he counted her down, she stopped shaking. And he looked at me and said, Rich, look, I, I wasn't paying attention. Only her finger, she, this is what she kept moving. Mm -hmm. And for six hours, all of her tremors disappeared. She mm -hmm. spoke clearly, understanding her journey and her path and how it happened and when it first occurred and all these other really dramatic events in her life. And then as he counted her back to consciousness, uh, they all came back. All well, that is that is fascinating, and you know, you're, you're verifying as as a hypnotherapist. What we do is we distract the left side of the brain. We confound it, we distract it to get it out of the way. And that's actually what, what we do because everybody is in a light state of hypnosis all the time. Everybody is in a light alpha state, as you said. So there isn't any reason why if someone was receptive, why they could not, while technically conscious, access packets of information and for some people who are uh, who are analytical, it maybe even works better your way. Yeah. 
You know what I mean? Yeah, Where yeah, they don't I've, have I've time sure. to, to analyze or freak out. They're just, they're going through an intellectual exercise that maybe is a little bit more like remote viewing. Uh, but uh, something else you also brought up that I wanted to go further with, and it's something that, that Wes and I explored in our sessions together, but also I, I do it all the time now, is communicating with people, soul groups, their guides, uh, the beings and their extraterrestrial experiences in real time. Mm-hmm. And Great. some of the some of the beings, and this is this is going to sound very out, but uh, to me, <laughs> my world. Most of <laughs> but uh, sometimes when people are having uh, experiences on board craft with uh, different beings, beings can sort of beam in holographically to also communicate. For instance, I've got this one uh, wonderful client who is was a participant in this secret space program and has had, you know, contact all of his life and he has a kind of a kind of a supervisor on uh, in his work called Gurn and the supervisor is is a highly involved insectoid being. But he doesn't generally travel to where my client is, but he projects himself oh, holographically. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't so have to be there. He doesn't sure. have to be there. So we're talking a lot of the time, we're not talking really about uh, physical, uh, and I don't like to word, use the word abduction ever, because I don't believe that that exists except in the most minimal ways. Well, it's, it exists in syntax, and it yeah. exists in mm-hmm. terms of personal experience, because we don't have another word for it. Mm-hmm. I was taken out of my body and thrust somewhere else. So uh, let me just give you an example of mm-hmm. how I came to it, which was a, a coffee shop about five years ago. A guy came up to me and said, I read your book, Flipside, and you know, blah, blah, blah. And he said, well, listen, I, I wonder if you can help me with this experience. And he said, you know, I was abduct- abducted. The way he put it was he and a friend were living in L.A. back in the 1970s. Very clearly, the two friends remembered coming to his car and then seeing a disc in the distance and then waking up an hour later. And it Mm -hmm. wasn't until months and years later that he recalled the experience. And I, knowing the techniques of what you talk about, what you're doing, you know, your techniques in an amateur's hand, but I'm also curious. Mm -hmm. So I said, well, let's just play a game. Imagine, you know, where did you see the the spacecraft? And he said, well, you know, it was about maybe 20 miles away. I said, okay, can you freeze that like a hologram? And he he said, yeah. So there's no emotion associated with it. And then I said, now, can you go up to the outside of the craft and feel it? And he said, yeah, I can. And I was guessing, like, I don't know if you could, but maybe. So I did. He told me what it felt like. And different people have said different things. But then I asked this question, which is, how many people are inside this craft? And he said, I, I'm sensing three. I said, okay, well, can you go inside the craft? Just like you're saying about consciousness shifting. Mm-hmm. He said, yeah, I'm inside the craft. And I said, all right, let's go to the pilot. Non-denominational term, non-gender specific. Mm-hmm. And he said, okay, I'm seeing, and I said, is it a male or female? He said, kind of neither, but kind of both. And I said, can I ask your pilot a direct question? And he said, yeah. (laughs) And I said, are you a tourist? Are you just flying by? Like, why are you here? And that question, which I've then repeated consistently, everyone has always said, 
No, I'm not a tourist. Do you think I'd fly all this way just to see Earth? What for? No, I'm here specifically to meet up with this guy or to pass along information or to gather data. And every person that I've talked to, I've done the same thing, which is I say, all right, describe how the data is imparted. How and why? Mm-hmm. You know, why are you normally incarnate on this other planet, right? And you like that other planet because everything you describe about that planet is your family, your home, you, re- you wish you were still there. Everything you've said about it is different than here. So why did you waste your time to incarnate here as a human? And that's the key, which is we should drop the term alien. In terms of incarnation, everyone's an alien. Everyone chooses to incarnate in the human physical body. Yep. And we're all aliens. We bring about a third of our consciousness, roughly, to a lifetime. Two-thirds is always back home. So even in the construct of the hologram of a guy shift, you know, sending a message, two-thirds of that being, let's not call him an alien, a being, is outside of time on the flip side. Yeah. So they can they could be talking to us directly, as well as their temporary self who's hanging out on the planet playing pinochle. Yeah. So that idea of Okay, so then the question is why? What do you are you guys fattening up? Is that is that what you're doing? The quarantine is here, so we can so you, you can serve man, right? Serve. Yeah, I always ask. I always ask, and then a lot of times they've never seen that episode. You know, I'm like, come on, how could you not? please, Richard. Please. Anyway, and they always say the same thing. No, we're here. Or we sent our buddies. I actually had one girl, which is very interesting. This is a, a film producer, very successful. Uh, made a lot of movies that are very famous. He said, oh, I got this actress in my office and she's talking about that stuff that you talk about. <laughs> we're just having a conversation. He said, come on over. So I go over to his office and thank, thank God he was busy. So I pull out my tape recorder and I just started asking her questions. Actually, I started asking her questions and then I was like, oh my God, I got her <laughs> Which is a chapter in the book. Uh, the, I tell you what the chapter name is, but it's fascinating. This is a woman whose whole world is, you know, acting and looks and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And within a few minutes, she was not only accessing previous lifetimes, on, you know, on the planet, she eventually got to a point where she was accessing her concurrent lifetime on this other planet. Mm-hmm. Some part of her energy had come here to Earth and she was angry about it. Yeah. She was adamant, like she didn't like it here. And then she said she had had three lifetimes already that she didn't like. And she just wanted to be back home with her family and focus on that. It's a fascinating Mm -hmm. perspective I'd never heard before. But the question is always this. So what are you doing it for? You agreed to come. Nobody forced you to come. Mm -hmm. Nobody, you know, put the karma gun at your head and said you must incarnate. No, you chose to. Maybe you didn't look at the contract carefully, but it's right there in the bottom. Yeah. So the question is why? And they always say, and I'm sure you've heard this many times, um, the planet needs us. Yeah. We're here to help humans evolve consciously mm-hmm. so that um, they can communicate with us non-verbally. So people will yes. stop worrying about communicating like this yes. and start communicating like this. I was just reading this today. It was during the Bill Paxton interview, Mm -hmm. which is in the book, 
And I wasn't there, because, so I had forgotten about it, but it was uh, Dr. Medus asking Bill Paxton through mm -hmm. Raylene Nunez, what are you doing now? And she, he said, I'm hanging out with people of, and he called them ETs. Yes, said, I read that, yes. Yeah. And he was saying, and there's a reason for that, and it's important because this kind of conversation we're having helps open up the levers so that over, not for us, not for humans, whatever. Yeah, it does. But for them to realize that they can access humans with visual messages. Yes. And all of this, a huge chunk of this is about PSI ability and the ability to communicate telepathically. They are interested in lineages of people who have these skills. It's just easier right it's just well, easier depending on the being now also you know I think I, we all have that though I I, mean, we all we all do but you know some people are you know billy joel and and you know some people are florence foster jenkins so you know we, it's it's there are varying <laughs> degrees of skill. you know what i think we better access florence to find <laughs> out what she thinks about that comment i apologize florence you did a lot yes, for the city i apologize but um i and think they that, made a movie about it meryl oh, played her was Come she on. not one Wonderful. Oh, and, and Hugh Grant has yes, turned into was. a marvelous um, character actor. Yeah, he, he has really transcended his stupid boyish bullshit, his Ponzi uh, Oxford bullshit. Again, you're back with those. Sorry. Listen, in my film Con Man, which is on available for the first time in 16 years on Amazon Prime, in the opening, it's all about the Cannes Film Festival. It's called Con Man. Can Man. And at the opening of the film, it's like a tour of LA, you know, and there's a guy selling maps to the stars homes. Mm -hmm. And then next to him is a guy selling keys to the stars homes. <laughs> and then there's a, there's a poster that is like a tourist site, you know, famous tourist uh, site. And it's mm -hmm. Hugh Grant hooker site right here. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I met him. I mean, I met him. I was in Cannes. I said, well, I directed, you know, this movie. And he was like, really? Oh God. Well, he's just a just a person. He's a but sweetheart. Listen, yeah. we're all just walking each other home. Like we're walk. We are here, and we are all in quantum entanglement like crazy. Right. Which, and no, what's her face? And That's Florence crazy. Foster Jenkins. Florence Foster. That's right. But to confirm what you were saying about the, the longing that your uh, this this gal was was feeling about yeah. what she considered to be her home planet, now. I have to tell you a high percentage of my clients where I do past life regressions, metaphysical type clients, if they go to an ET life, this is a common, common, common emotion. I've had, I've had grown men, you know, crying in my hypno chair because they were so homesick and had so much longing for this other world that had two moons and the family is there and it's so much easier and you can fly. And I mean, yeah, you know, I, it's, and, and, and again, we have this this component of we are we are honored, we are responsible to be here to uh, to be you know the midwives of the new era, and we have to do it together with you. It's kind of like you know when you're a parent, you're a parent, and and um, Wes, you you were a teacher for God knows how many years. You you've seen people in evolution with with your kids. 
there's there's a time where you have to let them make mistakes and fall down and screw up. You're not going to let anything really bad happen to them, of course, but there's right. a time when they have to co-create with you that you can no longer do everything. And I think we're kind of in a state of co-creation now. And I think also, Rich, that I am seeing more and more and more people that have venerable um, 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 non-human entities on their councils. I used yeah, to hear I, about I, it I once in a while, you know, I might hear, oh, there's an Asian guy or this guy looks like Gandalf, you know, but, but yeah. especially this past three years, there's been a consistent theme of venerable love and, and my, and the client will say, well, this, this being is just, is just pure love. Yeah. And then sometimes in other experiences, when, when I, in it going into real time, when I ask a client to communicate with perhaps a, a, a gray, you know, like more like a yeah. drone-like being, they'll say, they're really, they're, they're, there aren't many thoughts here. They're just sort of prime directives. I can't really communicate in that way. So that's, <laughs> isn't that interesting? Like that. Yeah. But listen, here's the thing. And I, it's, it's kind of contrary to your work. But I want to I want to offer this little nugget, which offer is offer the nugget, which is you're in this unique position to talk to people no longer on the planet. Yes, and of course it's a client relationship, and they've come in there and they want to they want to learn about their spiritual journey. Of course, that's your prime directive. But when you're in there, when you actually have access to the council members, I would just offer you know have like five or ten questions that you set aside and explore whatever door. And sometimes I ask it this way. I go, are you familiar with what I'm doing? Mm -hmm. And in, sometimes in the same council, a council member will say, nope, never heard of you. Fine. Yeah. And then two people over, they're like, oh, come on, Rich, we know all about you. Yeah. You know, the cooler. We were over at the <laughs> council cooler and talking about this guy who asked these annoying questions. And I'm reflecting on the fact that I've asked this question and they mentioned someone like you, where are you? You saying, yeah, we have other people that have been up here. Cause I ask, you get a lot of people asking you guys questions and they'll say not too often, but sometimes. So obviously yeah. you're one of them. We but do I would it. just say, I would just say if a council member is reluctant, resistant, or then you ask them. So why are you so reluctant? Yeah. Are you going to tell me that you, you're so wise that you have nothing to say or you see, and you can challenge them. I always ask for lottery numbers. Yeah. But Why not? Why they not? Laugh. They laugh. <laughs> I get to laugh. I get a laugh on the flip side. I mean, I don't know if this has happened to you. I'll tell you the first time I did a session uh, was Jimmy Quast of Maryland and Michael Newton had suggested that he do a session with me. And oh yes. Jimmy Quast. Right. Yeah. And so Jimmy's asking me these questions and I answered with the punchline and I saw the whole council laugh. <laughs> oh yeah. And Jimmy laughed at the same time. So it was this weird thing of getting laughs on two sides of the veil. Yeah. And now I must tell you that two years later, after writing the book, and saying, you know, I'm getting huge laughs from my council. I'm making them roar with laughter. I'm so funny. The council can't wait to talk to me. <laughs> now I'm with Scott DeTamble two years later. And we're saying, he's saying, where do you want to go? What, what do you want to explore? And I thought, well, let's see if this was real or not. And so he asked my guy to take me to a moment 
of something of, in, in a council member, council chamber. And what he took me to was that moment where I told the joke. But it Whoa. was here I am two years later, a different hypnotherapist. I'm now standing consciously, my view is from my guide's point of view, looking mm-hmm. at me at the podium, telling my council this joke. And their response was, huh. I mean, I saw it from my guy's, my guy's response. From my conscious mind, I was like, I'm killing. <laughs> These guys, are they think I'm hysterical. But my, my guide, and it was weird because my guide at that moment realized that he was showing me humility, something that would, you know, make me a more- Chasing more you, as it were. Yeah. <laughs> Mocking me. And he said, you know, we've seen Rich a lot here. And we've heard a lot of his stories before, so it's okay. We love well, him anyway. Because of because of the uh, backstage patch, backstage pass book, and yeah. the things I was reading that you were experimenting with, and all, I have in the past, <clears throat> not very long, maybe maybe six months or so, been doing exactly what you suggested. So tell me, what have you? What happened? What did you put? Well, anything weird? nothing nothing too weird but it's again it's all about it seems to be all about they they are encouraging it this is part of our evolution this is this is disclosure i mean it's not going to happen like in the day the earth stood still the first one please (laughs) please yeah my favorite yeah so but it's it's not going to be like that gorada nick too yes platu platu gorada nick (laughs) too gort gort was a robot gort was a robot let me ask you this then have you ever had resistance to this kind of line of questioning? Like somebody saying, I don't want to answer that. I would have to say yes, but it, it not from a council. What has happened sometimes is when I've had my person communicating with, yeah. with non-humans, that, that the being will just say, you know, I just can't let you go there yet. It's not allowed. I'd like to tell you, it's, it's, it's always kind of loving. It's never like mean, but it's usually, you know, this will be revealed, but right now, or, or they will sometimes say there are several vibrational timelines that are probable or something like that. That's kind of, again, a <laughs> well, that's good. Thing. That's called you ducking know, the question. Yeah, duck, no, I'm, I'm yeah. kind of relentless. And so, and I, that's why I ask because sometimes I get the same thing and I, you know, I'm trying to gauge whether they don't want the client to know, let's say, right? They don't mm-hmm. want the person mm-hmm. in the chair to know because this is upsetting their past, you know, by realizing all of this pain and suffering that they've been yeah. learning from yeah. was a waste of time, okay? And I've had that experience where they're in with a the counsel, but I actually, and it's in, uh, it's in this book. Um, yeah, it's Architecture of the Afterlife. It's an interview with Mr. Big. Uh, it's a famous, well, I didn't know, I had never heard of him, but a billionaire who had died suddenly. Mm-hmm. And a friend of his reached out to me and I didn't, she just said, I got a friend who died. And so we went down this path and it was a fascinating journey into this girl's own life. And we ended up going to her council and somewhere in like two or three sentences in the lead council member came over and said, we don't agree with what you're doing and we're disbanding and we're not going to let you talk to us. And I was like, what? Oh, I'm being spanked. Wow. But I am such a gadfly that I didn't let that go. I said, oh, wait a second. As you're disbanding, can I just ask you a couple of really 
simple questions that we, you know, that are about our friend's journey, spiritual journey. And they allowed those questions, you know, but very succinct answers. Yes, yeah. no, none of your business. Yeah. <laughs> but I kept going. And it was just funny because it was the only time I had the experience of saying, I don't agree with what you're doing and this is a waste of time. And so the lead counselor disbanded the council, made everybody mm -hmm. leave. Okay. And so, but the guide was friendly with me, her guide. And so mm -hmm. once we got away from the council, I then said, did I say something wrong? Or, you know, what was that about? And this thing was like, eh, councils are different. You know, some are okay, some are into it. Wow. Some want to share the information. And some people just, they don't think it's right for this person's path. I was like, okay, all right, well. Well, if it happened, it's... it was right for that person's path. Yeah. I mean, uh, if it yeah, occurred, right. if it was possible, then it was yeah. right. And but I'm just know, saying, so, I'm so sorry, annoying, sorry, I will folks. then go, that's a challenge. You know, let me ask you this question then. Yeah, I do. I know we're getting. Sorry, a folks. Time I got to do some housekeeping. Yeah, it's okay. time to okay. do the housekeeping, and uh, ask our guest to tell us about his books again and websites and so forth. Because we're in the all last right, very few good. Minutes. I th I thought we were going to do six parts of this. This is we are. This is just part. This is just part one. one. Oh, okay. Like you your books, we're right, going to have at least four. <laughs> good. So you can find me at richmartini.com. That's me. Uh, Martini Zoom. Dot com is my YouTube page and hacking the afterlife.com is my podcast. Wonderful. Five Thank episodes. you. Abu. And Abu. Uh, Rich, I just wanted to say, I think you're doing amazing work. And one of the things you. I love, no, you're doing amazing work. Well, one of the things you're doing that is so beautiful and so intuitive, I think on your part is you are getting people to connect kinesthetically. When you talk about holding the hands, these are big keys to opening up, where these people need to go if you can accomplish that because that's really the line of the heart the feelings but the kinesthetic thing how did it feel how does it yeah. taste you're doing everything right and nobody well, needs you. to be in a deep trance to no to i'll tell you experience i experience these things on core i got an email the other day from a guy a scientist and he said you you have shaken me to my core and i i was like what what happened <laughs> So he did that as an experiment, a mind experiment. He imagined his mom sitting across from him for 10 minutes, he said, meditated on it. And I tell people, just think of it as a game. There she is sitting across from him. What is she wearing? Mm -hmm. Look at the clothing. And then at some point, take your, put her hands in your hands. And then you're remembering, but at the same time, are they cold? Are they warm? Mm -hmm. What do you mm -hmm. That kind of thing. Because that, that brings you from past to present tense. Yep. And then I say, Ask them a question you don't know the answer to. And he asked, who was there to greet you when you crossed over? And she responded in his head, Hugh Nestle. And he was like, oh my God, I heard a name. And so he wrote it down. <laughs> and, then, and then he contacted, you know, who's Hugh Nestle? And he looked it up, couldn't find it. Went to his sister and said, why would mom say Hugh Nestle? And she <laughs> said, well, that was, that was her maternal grandfather, Hugh Nestle. <laughs> he knew him, and he had died before this guy was born. So as he said, it shook me to my core. And the other thing is, you know, this came from Michael Newton, because we were doing an interview, Jennifer and I were doing an interview, and it's in Backstage Pass, and he said, I, I was going on coast to coast, he said, well, I said, how do we contact, how do we tell people? And he said, just say their name and ask questions. And I said, you have to say the name out loud? He said, it doesn't matter. I said, well, what? What about the questions? How do you know if you're making them up or not? 
And he said, when they answer the question before you can ask it, you'll know you've made a connection. Mm -hmm. So that's right. the methodology that I kind of show people very yeah. simply. Yeah. Play it as a game. Grandpa, grandma, yep. loved one, child, whoever it is, picture them. Don't ask questions about you. Don't judge the answer. Because mm -hmm. sometimes it's problematic. Mm -hmm. Who was there to greet you? Jesus. You know, then if you judge that answer, you're like, well, he wasn't Christian. Why would he say that? Don't judge it. Just smile. Accept it. And you're getting yeah, you're you're clouding that uh, that left hemisphere of the brain. That's what you're doing by getting people to think in an acceptable way for them. They're able to let go of their analytical side. So you're getting right in there, groovy baby. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. listen, you got to, uh, Rich, we just like scratch the virtual surface here. You got to come back. This is, uh, we will be back like uh, maybe in a couple months. And, and by Anytime. that time, hopefully we'll be out yeah, of quarantine. Hopefully knock on wood. Oh, God willing. And It'll believe okay. me, I'm uh, scampering off to La La Land. My, my whole family's there. I go there every two months. And I, and, right. and. Well, let's have some coffee virtually or reality wise. And I will do the same thing with you when I see you. I'm going to make you go through some memory that you yeah. haven't thought about. Yeah, I mean, man. Yeah. You'll see Tony Stockwell's in the book. And I said to Tony, oh. have you ever talked to, are you aware of your first uh, conscious memory of spirit? And he was. I said, have you ever talked to this kid since? And he was like, no. And I said, well, would you like to? And he went, what do you mean? And within a few minutes, he was learning that this kid that he saw hanging out at his house when he was a child was his brother in the Victorian era who died oh in poverty. Uh, and I forensically verified everything he said. Yes. You it's know, really the names and the dates and everything else. And you can upon occasion. I had a past yeah. life regression guy who died in Vietnam. I had enough information to find out everything if That's I great. needed to, you know. Anyway, yeah. bless your heart, Richard, for everything you're doing. Thank you, Beth. Uh, Thank you, Richard. And uh, we will see you again in a couple months' time, and I'll maybe Tomorrow. see you soon in L.A. I dreamed <laughs> last night that we were having lunch. At, at first, I saw it was arts, but I thought, no, he's a West Side guy. I think it's cancer. I, I can go to arts. Every sandwich is a work of art. Oh, isn't it, though? Isn't it, though? <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Well, listen, you take good care and thank Thanks, you so much Thanks again. All you. right. We it. will see you soon. And thank you, Richard Martini. And thank Catch you, folks. And remember, we are not alone. Okay. Bye-bye now. Bye now. Thank you for watching Contact TV. We would like to thank our generous sponsors, Lightwork Hypnosis, Euphoria and the Euphoria Chronicles, Earth Mystery News, Conspiracy Culture Books, MUFON Canada, Free Experiencers, the Dr. Edgar Mitchell Foundation for Research into Extraterrestrial Encounters, and Variety Store Productions. For guest booking information, please email Wes Roberts at producer at contacttv.ca. And don't forget to join us on Facebook and Twitter.